What's up, ladies and gentlemen? This is Mike Ruiz, and you're listening to another episode of Sovereign Mindset. Today, I'm talking to Pete Gabler, and we're discussing the current events that have been happening around El Salvador and their announcement to adopt Bitcoin as legal tender. I thoroughly enjoyed this conversation with Pete. I hope you guys do too. So let's get right into it. Boom, let's get into it. Let's talk about let's talk about El Salvador. I mean, that's like really the biggest news. I mean, so much has happened. Like that came out right after the conference. Like the last thing, I think that's how they closed the conference. And I thought it was going to be a while for that bill to get passed. I like I tweeted out Yo, it would really suck if this bill doesn't pass. But like literally the next day it passes. And then since then, so much has been announced. And now we're seeing the fallout, the reactions, and people are really thinking things through. So yeah, what's your take, Pete? Yeah, I mean, just starting out, like thinking about what's happened with El Salvador. I, I, I've, been in, I've been really kind of following Jack Maulers because, you know, I think I mentioned to you, earlier on in May that uh, Jack Muller was starting that company with Strike and had been working in, you know, underdeveloped countries like, and El Salvador was the particular country he was working in um, to do remittances where, you know, he's able to convert, you know, a fiat currency to a fiat currency, send it across the world in, you know, a, a few seconds um, for, for no fee. And I, but nowhere in that, you know, in that whole narrative did I think that it was going to lead to El Salvador adopting Bitcoin as legal tender. You know, I didn't think that this, I didn't see this connection. Um, whereas Jack Maulers was was going to be one of the, the sparks that that caused this. And now, as I said to, or to you earlier, I feel like where we fast forwarded uh, from a time in Bitcoin where it, it, you know, it was kind of just despair. Everyone was just listening to FUD. It was just nonstop every day. It was China. It was Elon. It was whatever they could throw at you. And and now, you know, we're at this point where we've been talking about for years, you know, when nation states are starting to enter the mix. And I think it's just, it. I mean, it's obviously we have not treaded these waters. So I don't know where we're going to go in, in the immediate term, but it seems like it's happening very quickly. Yeah, dude. Um, so one thing I'll say about like Jack Maulers and I didn't really know um, who he was. Well, I did. I mean, I knew he worked with the Lightning Network, but I just, you know, there's so many moving pieces to the space. just hard to pay attention to everyone and what they're doing. But it's pretty incredible to, for me to see that I guess what happened there is that there's a Bitcoin beach, right? Um, this mm -hmm. area, I think it's called El Zonte or something. El Zonte. Like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And um, I'm guessing that there was a guy down there that, you know, looked to make it like a Bitcoin kind of beach town. And that's how Jack got involved. And it's just incredible to me. My point is that two people can have this effect that literally shift, shifted the geopolitical landscape in a way that is huge. Like if Jack did, if, if Jack Maulers didn't go down there, if that guy, um, you know, I forgot his name. I think his name is Mike. Didn't, didn't try to make that beach a Bitcoin beach. Like none of this would be happening. Right. But it's two people that literally shifted the political landscape and got the attention of the president. And now 
like this is one of the things that we have all kind of been waiting for and wondering what was going to be the first country what was going to be the first domino to kind of like embrace bitcoin either through its central bank and put it on its balance sheet or to kind of do what el salvador did and make it a legal uh currency uh legal tender and you know i saw a, a tweet from barry silbert and it was in 2014 where he made basically these predictions that are happening right now, but in 2014. So it's been like seven years of this and it's, it, it's happening now. And it feels like it's happening at warp speed. Like it's not only that, but we're also in, in, in the dynamic where we have social media and memes like catch on fast. And I think that laser eye meme is huge because it's a huge signaling. And so now it's not just El Salvador and the president, right? It's all these other Latin American countries. And it's fascinating for me to see that idea spread. And, you know, as, as Bitcoin spreads, it, it, it's, it's uh, the characteristics which define it, right? The, the moral and ethical and monetary principles which define it get carried along with it. And that's, that's really what I'm interested in a lot is because how is this going to change uh, South America? You know, how is this going to change El Salvador? I mean, I guess we could just start there. Yeah. Like, well, I, I, I think first off, even taking a step back, like the reason why this is happening in a place like El Salvador, you know, um, El Salvador is a country that, I mean, they're using the U.S. dollar as a currency now. Um, but El Salvador is, 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 is an underdeveloped country. Um, a lot of poverty um, there. Contrast that with a country like the United States, right? Where, you, you know, a very small percentage of the population and it's growing, but a very small percentage of this population really even understands Bitcoin. And, and the reason why is because relatively speaking, our currency is pretty stable compared to these other nations around the world. Um, and nobody intuitively understands why Bitcoin is important or what problem it actually solves. And, you know, it's a paradox because we have all the time in the world to really like learn about it, right? Because we, you know, we, we, we live in, in a world of abundance, um, but the people in El Salvador and, and the people in nations that are developing um, are more easily, uh, they, they get Bitcoin a lot better just intuitively because it solves a problem for them. It's actually solving a problem for those people in Bitcoin Beach. They want to accept Bitcoin, um, which is amazing. And 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 you know they want to use the Lightning Network. Um, some some of them. I, I was listening to somebody. They said some of them uh, want it over the U.S. dollar. Some of them don't. But the fact is, is that the, the, this this is a movement that's happening now. Where it goes from here, um, I think that. It, like this trend continues. The the countries that have the weakest currencies are going to be the ones that are going to end up adopting Bitcoin first. I mean, you have the Argentinas of the world. You have, yeah. But but another thing is that you know it also depends on the the government, right? Like the yeah. government in those lands. Like Venezuela is going to be, it's going might be a little bit more difficult because you have a regime there that might not want. You get so basically. I mean, it's interesting because. Do you know the president's name? I can't, I can't remember it at the top of my head. I know it starts with a B and it's, it's a weird pronunciation. Bukele. 
Bukele, right? I, I don't All know right. the actual pr pronunciation of it. That's a good thing. But his name is like Naib Bukele. Okay. He's a young guy. I think he's a millennial still. And, yeah. uh, and it just goes to show you that if leadership is young and forward thinking and embraces these ideas, what it can do for a country. If we look at the leadership here, I mean, Nancy Pelosi looks like she's, you know, a bag of bones. You got um, Joe Biden who can barely think for himself. Um, uh, just all these senators, I don't know what the combined average age is of the Congress, but I know it's way up there. And it just like, I think that's the difference there. Plus it's a small country, it's nimble, it's fast, it can move quickly. And then when you have a forward thinking president like that, um, you know, things can happen, you know, in a matter of, of months, not, you don't have this like behemoth of a system that you have to drag along. Um, so yeah, that's, that's interesting to see. It's going to be interesting to see how many other countries are set up in that, in that way where they can move just as fast, where they have a forward thinking government and stuff like that. Because I mean, I was listening to, and this is, this is really interesting because this really shows where we're at the technology that, you know, the, the empowerment in which we are like enabled through technology right now at this time, I mean, it's something huge. Like Nick Carter just is cooking pork chops and decides to like, you know, throw on a Twitter space to you know, have a conversation. The and, the president, the right? <laughs> and the president and the president of El Salvador shows up and they have a little, like a huge meeting where 22,000 people, I think at the max, and I was listening to it and it's really insightful into how the president thinks and the vision. And one of the things that really caught me was his vision for the future and how he's saying that a lot of kids these days, a lot of people growing up, they have this very pessimistic view of the future. It's uh, bleak and dystopian. And there's all these existential risks that are on, her, on the horizon. And, you know, and he was saying how in a lot of ways uh, we shape the future, human beings. And if our vision of the future is bleak, well, then we're, what are we going to produce? You know, we're going to produce that future. And he's like, and, and Bitcoin comes along and it provides a different perspective, like a hope for the future. And that's one of the reasons he's embracing it. And so when you hear that kind of talk, when you hear that kind of rhetoric, where it's not just about number go up, right? It's not just about the superficial aspects of technology, um, where it's something much more deep and profound. I just feel like uh, that's a good recipe for this thing to, to stick. And it'll be interesting how many other countries you could persuade along those lines, which are really deep rooted, you know, into actually seeing this through and not like uh, something like Elon, where he, you know, he basically came on, embraced Bitcoin, and then two weeks later, totally shitted on it. You know, I just feel like there's a lot more conviction in the president of El Salvador than some other people who come on the Bitcoin bandwagon. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then, I mean, the fact is that it's law now, right? So they, they just ratified, they, they just voted that on that law in order to to go back on that they would have to repeal that law i don't know how i don't know the laws in in el salvador i don't know how that process would work but it seems to me like it's pretty pretty permanent for, for, for you know according to to what i'm hearing so the question becomes is yeah what other nations are are going to take that step now i don't know if they're going to take that exact step you know to to make it legal tender right because you hear that Paraguay wants to work with Square. Or, or, I usually, 
Yeah. Usually people dip their toes in first. Yeah. And but like El Salvador went full Michael Saylor on, on Bitcoin. Like yeah. <laughs> it seems that like like El Salvador is not pulling any punches. Like El Salvador is going straight for it. Uh, you know, you have Mexico that's expressing interest. I mean, the thing is, you, you see these politicians, they're putting laser eyes. And as you said before, I mean, laser eyes has been, they've been criticized for being, you know, too uh, arrogant or being flamboyant, uh, flamboyant exactly, uh, trying to show off. Um, and, and that being the reason why Bitcoin took that huge 55% dip. However, these laser eyes are, are, are now being used as a signal around the world. Um, and these politicians are signaling that they're supporting Bitcoin. And that is important for people to see, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the next step, as you said, is really like getting beyond the laser eyes. We need to, uh, people need to understand why Bitcoin is beneficial to them and their, and, and their country and why it's going to, why it could possibly change the world and, 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 the, and the world economy. And, um, you know, that's, where I think obviously time is going to, it, it's going to take time because people take, you know, a varying amount of time. Everyone's on a spectrum, right? So yeah. can I, can I just interrupt for one second regarding yeah. that point? Yeah. And it's, uh, I know what you're saying about time, but yeah. I feel like it's one of those things where like Parker Lewis kind of nailed it with his gradually then suddenly, mm -hmm. um, idea because i do feel like we're in the suddenly stage because right now we've entered the big boss level and it's not like it's like now do or die i feel like it's like okay we've crossed this we've crossed this line and now we're gonna have to see who's on who's on who's like how the chips align kind of thing like that and i just feel like it could be it could happen a lot sooner than we think, especially when the incentives are there we're talking about el salvador and how they have the dollar as a uh as their currency right as as their legal tender right now it's not like they have their own national currency so all the uh, that inflation that's happening right now wh where is that going i mean so the, we're printing trillions of dollars and we're handing it out to our citizens here is anybody from el salvador getting a check from joe biden no so they get all the um they get none of the benefits from inflation. Like they literally, we are exporting our inflation out to other countries. And so I guess what I'm trying to say is that all these other countries are also incentivized to dish the dollar all at the same time where there's this powerful meme being spread and that Bitcoin is kind of hope and Bitcoin is, is sound money and Bitcoin is a, uh, a place where you can uh, park your savings into. And like the incentives are there when you go to the grocery store and prices are rising in dollar terms, you know, every day, you're going to, it's, it's going to become very intuitive to people that, oh, Bitcoin is the answer to my problems. And so I think that this can happen a lot faster than people actually think. Yeah. And especially with the infrastructure being built uh, in the Lightning Network, you know, that it can actually be used in, in daily and, and transactional payments, right? Uh, it's not just these large transfers of of of, of Bitcoin now uh, on that first layer. So yeah, like it, have it, you tried Lightning Network? No, I haven't. And and like I, I've I've never actually uh, had a Lightning node, um, but I've been like I've just been listening to people who have who have used it. I've I've kind of wanted to 
start to experiment with that strike app, but I, I haven't really uh, actually used it. Have you? No. So that's the thing. What I, what I usually do or what I've done throughout this time is because I'm usually on the per- peripheral, right? I'm, I'm just a plebe who's kind of watching Bitcoin from the outside in. I don't have any influence and, um, you know, I don't have a business in the space. So I just, but every once in a while, check where the technology is at. You know, I've tried like uh, Lightning Network. I've tried um, the Sphinx app when it first came and just kind of trying to test things out and see where they are. And the last time I used Lightning Network, it just didn't work. Uh, and we couldn't get the, the the payment to go through. And I was working with like a Bitcoin core developer on Twitter. And it, it, it just, we couldn't get it to work. So I was like, all right, I guess we're not there yet. Um, but it sounds like just from everything I heard at the conference and just the, the progress that Jack Mahler's has made down in in El Salvador that it's ready. So I'm I think I'm ready to give it a try again. Yeah, and and what I, what I think the way I see it actually rolling out first before like you get separate nodes like if you have a node and you connect it with somebody like I really think that the Lightning Network is is going to really start to spread via those apps like like Stripe because Stripe can have a big Lightning pool. They they have they have liquidity in every country. And they'll be able to, to really just take everybody's, whatever transaction they want to do, they could, be, they could pool them, they could send them uh, on their own lightning, uh, you know, nodes. And, um, and, and, and I think it just that, becomes a lot more usable, right? Yeah, it's, it's a lot easier, a lot more user friendly than what you're talking about, where you have to have your own node and then you have to mm. establish a channel. And all that they'll, they'll be able to spend it send it on their their channels and make it a lot more a lot easier for people to use it so um you know that's that's something that maybe maybe merchants can 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 do the same and they can establish you know a, a an account on 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 strike or something like that the problem is is that you don't want it to become too centralized so at the end of the day um there's that's there's- what i was i was actually thinking that you know and that's that's one of the things where i'm curious as to where we're at um, I'm thinking more adversarially now, you know, is, is lightning network ready for this? Because now we've entered, like I said, a new arena, we've entered a new level, you know, and like the big bosses, we got the attention of the big bosses now. And it's going to be interesting to see. I know Bitcoin, the core, like, I think that is, I mean, that's indestructible, you know, yeah, you're, not and, changing that. you're not changing that, but I'm, I'm, I'm curious as far as like, you know, if lightning network isn't there, you know, is there, is there any downside to that? Or is it, is it going to be all right? Are are they going to be able to develop it out even in this environment where it might get a little bit hostile? It'd be interesting. Yeah. And then that's something that I guess we're going to have to find out. The the good thing about it is that lightning is, I mean, it's still young. The, 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 I think the first order, job of bitcoin is going to be that's that store at for now that store of value that uh you know is not changeable as far as far as the cap goes um that is decentralized and i think that layer one i mean as long as that layer one stays intact we're going to be okay and i think that lightning will develop over time it's a layer two solution and i think it for from what it sounds like it's working pretty well uh, you know for for the uh for, for the stuff that jack Mullers is doing and um you know, I've, I've heard a lot of other like anecdotal evidence that lightning has been working. Um, you know, I, I think that it's going in the right direction. And I think that it opens up a lot of doors for Bitcoin. But for sure. 
but you know the, the funny thing is so so you mentioned before like how a lot of people in in these in these countries are gonna realize that you know the, the u.s is ex exporting in you know inflation right um and they're not seeing any benefits they're not seeing stimulus checks right um interestingly enough bukele the the, the salvadorian president uh yesterday I think Nick Carter asked him, like, was there any, uh, is there any truth to the fact that, you know, there's inflation of the dollar that, that made you take this decision? And he, he said no. And interesting, like, what I'm interested to know is why he said that, because for me, that would seem like top, top, top of the order since, since they're on the dollar, dollarized system. Why is he, is this political? You know, is this to try to ward off? Oh. And, you know, get into that, then. I, I think we should just get straight right into that. Um, yeah. What do you see as the, uh, I, let's just not say the response from like the international community, the IMF, the U US. Um, I mean, as far as, you know, this does, um, this does threaten the hegemony, head, um, man, I can't even say that word, but you know, this does uh, uh, threaten that power structure a little bit, you know, and the, the legacy monetary system uh, and that power apparatus is, is probably now on full alert. And, you know, I've seen some speculation on Twitter chatter where, you know, people are like, you know, this is when this type of stuff happens, you know, people get taken out. And if we look at what happened with Saddam, um, when he tried to move like, I think it was like 5% of his oil sales to, you know, Euro, uh, yeah. Euro you know, uh, all of a sudden, Hey, we got weapons of mass destruction over there. We've got to come up with something to take yeah. this guy out because he's starting to threaten that uh, petrodollar. The petrodollar. Yeah. yeah. So that is an interesting question. And um, so I was looking at Twitter today, you know, I'm, I'm like, try to, Try, I, I mean, I love Twitter and it gives me, I've learned so much from it, but like sometimes it's just a little bit much. But I, <laughs> I, saw, I saw a plan B uh, put today, like all of the countries like Brazil, Panama, uh, Colombia now, we have uh, Argentina, we have El Salvador, obviously, Mexico, all these countries now are expressing interest. But I think it's a matter of, of time now. Now we need to, I, I think those countries, in order to, make it more difficult for, you know, the first movers, right, to, um, to, to actually implement this or to pass these laws um, and to adopt Bitcoin, it's going to be a lot easier if there's a lot, a lot more of them that are doing it than one, right? Because one of them, is, it's going to be easily, easy, easily singled out. Um, and it's going to be a lot easier attack vector than if you have you know, a whole bunch of countries in Latin America that are that are trying to, to go the same direction, right? Um, because that's why, uh, sorry to interrupt, but real quick, that's why I say that, you know, I think that this might happen a lot faster than we think, because I think other countries realize that they're like, okay, we need to jump on board this train right now, because if they take out, you know, if they take out the head over there, El Salvador, like, it'll be a lot easier if we're just scattered around and they got to, you know, they got to try to control this, this fire, right, from spreading uh, in different locations, as opposed to like, as soon as, you know, they, if they try to make an example out of El Salvador or something like that, that, that can really put the brakes on a lot of things as other countries start to, 
question whether they should go down that route. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like, if you're nimble, if you're quick, if you got that vision for the future and you're a leader of one of these Latin American countries, you kind of need to act now. Yeah. Now here's my question to you. Uh, 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 do you think that the response from like the US, which is the most powerful country in the world militarily, um, economically, do you think the response is going to be in an economic nature, like through the IMS, or do you think it would be, you know, it would be fit, you know, with actual warfare, something like what happened with Saddam? Because to me, like, you know, I, I actually, I, re I recently listened to the podcast with, I think it was Nick Carter and Alex Gladstein on, on Peter McCormick. And um, they were talking about how, uh, you know, Saddam was, uh, you know, coincidentally taken out after he transferred uh, some, or he sold some oil for, for euros. Um, all of a sudden now he's taken out. And then you had uh, Gaddafi also did the same thing in Libya and the same thing happened. Those are two different uh, presidencies, right? So, so I, I know that um, the petrodollar now is weakening. You know, uh, Biden has signaled recently that, that he's not going to be as protective over it. But at the same time, um, you know, you, you still have U.S. as the reserve currency. So how do you think the U.S. would respond? Do you think it's going to be economic in nature? Or do you think it's going to be through warfare? That's a good, it could be covert too. It could be like CIA kind of, uh, you know, and who knows, it could be through back channels, um, maybe, uh, you know, bribes and threats and, and uh, thwarted business deals. I don't know. Um, do you think sanctions, something like that? So this is, this is what I'm wondering. And I kind of have the same questions as you do. So I don't have really an answer, but I, I can respond by, you know, give me my, my, my thought process on this, but he must know that what he's doing is brave. Like he's going against like a, a really powerful um, power structure. And he must know that the U S to some degree is, is probably not going to like this um, versus being okay with it, right? Like there's probably more, there's more probability of them having a problem with this and actually wanting to do something about it than just, just letting them passively uh, continue on with their like uh, Bitcoin strategy. And so um, what I'm wondering is to what extent they rely on the IMF, to what extent they rely on exports, to what, to what extent, because you got to imagine that that's what they're going to attack if they're going to attack you. And has he made those calculations where he's like, okay, we can withstand that type of hostility in that area and still maintain, you know, our, uh, our country. Um, so then it kind of goes into the, okay, well, if they can't get them on the economic front, if they can't get them with sanctions, if they can't get them through um, those type of, uh, let's just say more um, covert ways, well, can they be straight up over it with, uh, you know, CIA operations and military action? You know, that would be a huge signal to the world that, you know, U.S. and, and the dollar hegemony is not fucking around, right? It's like, and I think that would stop Latin American countries in their tracks, but it would also expose, it would really, ex I don't know if it, it would expose just how violent and corrupt the U.S. system is. And what it would also expose is how serious Bitcoin is, because yeah. if the if the government's actually willing 
and, and feels that threatened. Anything the government wants to ban is something you probably want to own, right? And, and so that, that to me would, would signal, I mean, we've had a few signals recently with Trump calling it a scam, a scam currency. Before he, he just said it was thin air. Now, it, now he says it's a scam currency. You know, so it'll be really interesting to see if the response that we're thinking is going to happen actually does happen and in what nature that response will be. And like, at what point, what would trigger that? Will El Salvador, do, are they seeing the danger there or are they just kind of still poo-pooing? You know, it's a small country. It's really just making legal tender, you know, alongside the dollar. Um, you know, it doesn't, I don't think it has a large central bank if it even has any. So I don't know how much Bitcoin they, they could put in their reserves. Um, but like, if that domino effect starts to happen, then we could see some sort of response from these countries. And actually, what did we just see? You just sent me something with Elizabeth Warren saying that Bitcoin was some sort of, a, I don't know, she said it was a scam or something. No, yeah, but it wasn't even that. It was, um, I guess, the uh, advisor or, you know, just uh, the person she was speaking with. And I don't know who this guy is. I'm guessing he's t- some type of Ivy League professor or something like that. But basically his his response to, um, you know, Senator Warren's concerns about Bitcoin, which again, all of them unfounded, all of them complete exaggerations or falsehoods, right? Not, there's not a lot of uh, actual um, real substantive argument there. It's just... Um, it's just FUD. It's just lies or it's just exaggerations. And, but his response to that was, we need to make it illegal for anyone to um, convert their Bitcoin into our currency. So basically effectively outline Bitcoin. And this is how these people think. They're authoritarians. They're totalitarians. Um, they don't want control. Like these people get paid off of this fiat inflationary system they you know they're like they don't have to show any merit they're just parasites who get paid to 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 promote and to propagate this system this debt-based system that is like basically in a lot of ways enslaved so many people and uh, that's what they are and so yeah that's what his response was and I'm thinking that more people like that are waking up. Yeah. I mean, the fact that, so I tend to think that Elizabeth Warren, maybe, you know, maybe she's like Elon. Maybe she has no clue, right? Maybe she hasn't done the the, the due diligence to even understand uh, the, the first thing about Bitcoin, right? Elon probably understands a lot more than even Elizabeth Warren does. But in, in my mind, so... The fact is, is that you have these people that are very privileged, right? That have grown up in, in a country that is a, de- a developed country. Uh, it's a rich country. Um, haven't had to think about any of the problems that uh, the rest of the world has has faced or is, is still facing, right? And they don't want to dig into any of the merits of why Bitcoin is, is going to solve problems. So for instance, like, Think about it like this, like Elon, for instance, with his with his energy FUD, all he's talking about is, you know, all, all of a sudden he goes back on, on, on what he originally said was that, you know, Bitcoin is going to incentivize. He agreed with that 
uh, for, with Jack uh, from Twitter that it's going to incentivize green energy. And he goes back on it because he says that it's just using way too much energy in the past, past few months. And he, he, he gives a chart, right? However, um, let's, and then Michael Saylor's response, I thought was the best response. What he said was that everything is second order, right? Um, when, you, when you look at the use case and, and the reason why Bitcoin is, is, is important, the energy is really second order. So the fact is that money, like I was just listening to a podcast with um, Peter McCormick and Parker Lewis. And what he had been explaining, which was, I thought really well explained, and I'll be, I'll be trying to be brief with it, was that, you know, basically money, if, if, if you look at all the other, like everything that happens in the world, you know, if, if, if you go to like a grocery store, he said, right? And you look at everything that is stacked in those aisles, you know, and, and you think about how much has gone into getting those things to that grocery store um, and the amount of people that were involved, it's probably about a hundred million people, right? All of the, all of the people that uh, are, are, you know, selling the point of, point of sale cash years, he said, you know, the trucking, you have people taking energy out of the ground to be able to, to, to bring those trucks. So, building the actual grocery store itself. Building the grocery store, yeah. stocking it, the supply chain, you know, whoever's manufacturing the stuff. I mean, it's basically, a, it's, it's a huge uh, operation and there's so much involved with it, but none of that could have happened without a currency that is worth something, right? Because you can't take oil out of the ground to get energy, to be able to do any of this stuff, to be able to pay for any of this stuff, to be able to make things happen um, without a, a currency. And he brought up a good point, Venezuela, is a country that is either either the richest or the second richest uh, country in oil, and uh, basically they, they they they're not even. I think I think they're the amount of oil that they're extracting is is continually going down because they don't have a currency to support that action, right? So every everything that happens around the world is just a derivative of money, mm -hmm. and therefore the most important thing that you could you could invest uh, value into. And, and, and the most important thing that you could spend energy on, expend energy to, to get is, is a, a sound form of money. So it's like the foundational layer of how we all cooperate and coordinate. And that extends being that transcends time, you know? And so, you know, if there's anything to make sure that we're spending energy on and, 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 and making sure that it's as, as secure and sound as possible, it's money. And, and that's the thing. So, so when you get the FUD um, from Elon and then you're, you're about to get the FUD from Elizabeth Warren and, and you're about to get the FUD from the U.S. government, because I tend to think that the Elon stuff and the U.S. government stuff is, is interconnected. Related? Um, you think he got like a knock on the door kind of thing? Well, I mean, I mean, we've been talking about ESGs and we've been talking about, you know, carbon credits and all of that. I, I, I tend to think that he that there that doesn't come without a price, right? Like, like somebody, and I, and I think the same He's beholden to somebody. Yes, he's beholden. And, and whether it be the government or whether it be, uh, you know, BlackRock, you know, whoever is investing in Tesla, um, he's beholden to somebody who didn't like that. Um, and and so that somebody is probably beholden to something. That it, it all, all roots, I think it all traces back to, to, to the government, right? Um, and... I personally think that, you know, this, this energy FUD 
we have to start with that argument of, okay, first off, Bitcoin is valuable because if you don't get that argument, right, then any other argument for Bitcoin, Bitcoin shouldn't expend any energy or, or shouldn't use any energy. If you don't think it's useful at all, then there's no reason to have any energy being used on Bitcoin, right? So we have to get past that first. And that's going to be, I think the catalyst is going to be Latin America because people are going to see that people are actually using it and it's actually making a difference there. You know, so, that's, 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 sorry to interrupt again, but that's one thing that this whole thing does is it does dispel a lot of FUD. It does dispel a lot of the narratives around Bitcoin. And that's one of the reasons I think that they're really scrambling right now. If you can see that they basically came out with this, <laughs> this news story or this announcement that the FBI basically hacked the Bitcoin wallet and was able to steal the uh, cyber attackers <laughs> uh, Bitcoin or, or confiscate it. And you just see so much misconception there as far as how Bitcoin works from uh, not only from like just normal everyday average people who are reading this stuff, but from like actual journalists, from the, the politicians, from everyone. They, I mean, it's very transparent to how far uh, they've done their research because they're making the most basic mistakes that you could probably um, overcome with just a few hours of reading, especially now where the literature has gotten gotten to the level where, you know, the writing is so sophisticated and so clear and so concise that, you know, someone can get up to speed with Bitcoin fairly easily. And everyone in Bitcoin is really happy to talk and they're all accessible. They're all on Twitter and they'll be more than happy to educate you. Um, but yet so many are making the most basic foundational mistakes that you can tell that either they're being naive or that there's more malicious intent there, that they're intentionally trying to spin up a deceptive narrative to attack Bitcoin. And I think that more people need to be aware of that because Bitcoin does threaten a lot of power structures and it does expose a lot of these systems for what they are, frauds. And a lot of people rely on these systems for their livelihood. And they're gonna come out with their claws out and make and defend, uh, defend their systems. And I think, you know, I don't think they're the most, um, let's just say, moral characters in the box, right? I think that, uh, I think that some are more than willing to lie and distort the truth in order to attack Bitcoin. Well, and so, thinking about that, right? So, you know, the fact is, is that in order to to hack or to get a private key, you would you would need to expend like. It was, it's like something like 20 or 30 exa hashes of energy, you know, continuously, which, which is like pretty much just impossible, right? You, you, you would need to, to secure 51% of the Bitcoin blockchain, right? Um, and basically, in order to do that, um, so I actually was reading something last night about, about the, you know, the proof of work and why it is so important. Um, and I, I kind of want to talk to, because your, your point about, about how people are, are being deceptive, I kind of want to talk about proof of stake real quick, just, just to get into that, because um, basically what I was kind of researching, because, because, you know, I, I, I look at Ethereum versus Bitcoin, the fact that Ethereum is moving to this proof of stake system, and I think this is going to be an attack vector that not only- Oh, 100% shit coins are going to be an attack vector. Yeah. Oh, it's going to come from not only uh, you know these external f forces, but these but these internal crypto as well. Um, 
but like the proof of work system is just so important to Bitcoin. And, and the, the most salient point for me, right, was that if, if, you, if you think of like the stock to flow model, right, and you think, and I'm not talking about, uh, I'm not talking about S2F as, as uh, plan B, I'm talking about just the, the, the idea of stock to flow, like the stock that exists. And then, so the stock is whatever, what, all the Bitcoin that's been mined already. And then the flow is whatever Bitcoin uh, or the rate as, at, at which it, it, it is created, right? So if you think of stock to flow, um, the bit, Bitcoin, its value is secured by two stock to flows. It is the ledger. So the stock, the stock of Bitcoin compared mm. to the, the small, um, like the, the small amount of Bitcoin that is mined every, every year and, and it gets smaller and smaller every year. So that's one thing that people are talking about, the stock to flow. But the other thing that secures the Bitcoin network, which I never really made the connection, was that there's a stock to flow also with hardware and, and, and the hardware used to mine. So in order for a government or a, a nefarious entity to do a 51% attack to basically mine a, 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 a nefarious block of Bitcoin, uh, you, they would need to, to basically procure um, enough, of these, uh, enough of these chips, these ASICs, to overcome 51%. But, but there's a, such a small flow right now. There's a huge stock of them. There's a lot existing right now. But the flow is so small that it would take years and years and years and years and years. So they, they wouldn't be able to, they wouldn't, like, in order to attack uh, the Bitcoin network, like 51% attack it by a state actor, they would have to procure uh, an amount of mining hardware, which is not currently being produced. And so exactly. therefore, it becomes an impossibility, really, to 51% to, to attack it. At, at the current moment, absolutely. Like, hmm. it, maybe if you, if you let this entity procure enough over many years and they were able to without you knowing and and then suddenly do a surprise attack which i think is pretty improbable then yeah maybe it's possible but that that is going to be almost impossible for that to happen because not only uh is 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 there a lot existing it's the most powerful computer network in the world right now um, but there's just a small amount being produced and there's a backlog. And if, if miners and, and if Bitcoiners see that happening, they're obviously going to do something so, to direct that. So and, let me ask you, so you're, 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 you're mentioning this in relation to this being an easily, uh, you know, easy thought process to think through some of these arguments, which these politicians and fudsters are making. Right. And yeah. you're saying like, dude, this is just so easy to dispel that. So my question is, is that what Bitcoiners need to be doing right now, working their ass off to dispel all of these uh, narratives? Because I don't think that's getting through. Maybe it's getting through like, so Michael Saylor today, he's going on Sean Hannity. So you know, but people in general, they just like bite-sized information. They don't like to think too much. I, that's my general feel. And yeah. I feel like we need to make it as simple as possible, like to understand this stuff and dispel this stuff uh, for the average person to kind of dispel a lot of the FUD that gives uh, 
gives these people, the policymakers, the politicians, the momentum to go ahead and somehow attack Bitcoin. And even from a, like a political standpoint, like uh, or a legislative standpoint or something like that, you know, like, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to muster up the the support to, to ban Bitcoin, especially now when there's so many people involved. Like, I, you know, I know people around me who they have Bitcoin and, you know, you wouldn't call them Bitcoiners. That's for sure. So, I mean, here's, here's the thing. Like, I mean, I think that there's enough Bitcoiners out there trying to do, and maybe not with it, with a huge platform like Michael Saylor, um, but it's getting there. Elon had a big platform, but didn't use it to do any good. Bro. However, we'll talk this, about that next. Yeah. But, but this, this is what I see, man. Um, I, I see when I see like stuff about Ethereum and Bitcoin, I see, uh, you know, mainstream news talking about proof of stake, like it's some savior solution to the energy problem. There's no drawbacks, right? It's just, we're making it more efficient. Um, now, no one talks about the fact that it's less secure and especially in the long run, be, and, and, and they, like no one understands like the reason why. Um, and they, they say, oh, well you stake your coins and then if, once you stake your coins, um, you are able to validate transactions and you have stake in the network, right? But with proof of work, the reason why there's so much security is the energy that's used, right? To secure the network and to mine the Bitcoin and, and to solve those mathematical problems so they can, they can place those blocks on the blockchain. That energy accrues and is stored in the, it's, it's on the ledger now. Like that security is, is, is converted or the energy is, is, is converted onto that ledger as it's security, right? Uh, and, and, and that never, like it's used, it cannot be unused, right? So that ledger is backed by all the energy that has ever been used to mine Bitcoin. Now, the, the, the thing about proof of stake is, yeah, you, you can stake. So people stake coins, like, like large entities on the Ethereum that own a lot of Ethereum will stake coins, but they stake the coins temporarily. It's not forever. So they could take those coins off and unstake those coins. And then all of that, so, so the stake that they had does not exist anymore. So it's a really a temporary thing. And it's not like the, um, the energy that has been expended, right? To, uh, to mine like Bitcoin on, on, in the proof of work system, uh, energy, it cannot be unstaked, right? I can't unstake the energy I already used. It's, it's, it's there, I already invested it. Proof of stake is this very temporary thing. It's fleeting. It's a fleeting thing. And um, there, there's a lot of like- I, Yeah, I was bro, to- these conversations, the conversations that they're going to have are not going to get that nuanced at all. No. They're going to be like proof of stake is good for the environment, Bitcoin bad for the environment. And that's what they're going to go with. And, that's and, the thing. Yeah. And, and it's just, it, it leads to more centralization and everything. But let, I mean- It's a huge attack vector, dude. We, we cannot, and this is, you know- I've kind of gained a lot more conviction after this past uh, weekend in Bitcoin because if there's anything that are going to is going to propel society forward right now, if there's one thing that's going to do it, it's Bitcoin. There, I don't I don't see anything else. Everything else looks like dystopian. So why not fucking give all your energy to that one obvious thing that's going to take society 
um, into a future where you want to, you want your kids to live in. And it's, yeah. so why not double down? Why not go hard? So I gained a lot more conviction. And then after seeing everyone's energy and having conversations with people, it just like, and seeing how convicted and fucking pumped up people are right now. Like, uh, you know, I'm just like, yeah, man, this is the thing that we need to double down on. This is the thing that I need to put, um, you know, effort towards and energy towards because, you know, they're going to, they're going to come after it. And we also need to, to help people understand the merits of Bitcoin. Uh, like, and we have so much working for us. It doesn't take much to be part of this kind of revolution because it's in your self-interest because all, you know, all your money is depreciating. All you got to do is buy some coin and hodl it. And like, you're part of it, you know? And um, so, yeah, I just think that these narratives need to be they need to be dealt with and uh, it's going to be interesting how that is. I, I, I think part of it is going through the, let's just say institutional uh, channels, like the political channels and stuff like that. That's, it kind of needs to go on all fronts because what Jack Mahler's did is he, he, he went to like the, the base of who Bitcoin really helps, right? The working man, like the rich people right now, they're fine. Like inflation doesn't affect them. They have their assets. Their assets are going up either, you know, at the same. Inflation helps. Exactly. And so it's really the people who are going to benefit from a sound money system like Bitcoin are the people that Jack Mahler's went to go help. And I think that's why one of the reasons he was on stage and he was crying so much is because of that. He saw that impact that he was at. I think he's changed his whole business structure because of that. He was like, yo, I'm not going to Europe. I'm focusing on these people that need it the most. And, you know, it's, 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 it's getting to them. It's getting to the politicians. It's, you know, and I feel like there's this concerted effort right now. It's huge. And it's all just, you know, people are just doing it. A lot of people are doing it idealistically because they understand the benefits that this is going to bring to society. I mean, you know, when I was listening to the, to uh, uh, the president of El Salvador, his, you know, he was talking about uh, a future with, you know, planes and no war, not, not planes, but like flying cars and no war, like a futuristic utopia that we all used to have, you know, and, and, uh, and that's what Bitcoiners are, man. They're optimistic and they bring that energy into their work and that really catches fire. And, you know, I, I do feel like we need to be on all fronts right now, um, espousing the merits of Bitcoin because it's, it's really going to take that, you know? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, they say uh, being toxic in, on Twitter is is not helping Bitcoin and, you know, that, you know, need to be more open-minded. And, you know, the fact is, is that I, I think that that kind of stuff is necessary. I mean, you just literally saw Jack Mahler's change lives of people in El Salvador, right? And then you see, what's his name? Justin Sun open a... Uh, a, a, a Tron office there trying to co-opt this whole narrative. Yeah, and- what a what a what a what a fucking shitster, bro. Like, yeah. and I don't know. It's hard for me to gauge because at the same time you're like, oh, this is fucking awesome. Look at all the energy going down there. But then you know it's full of scammers who are really not interested in that underlying change that Bitcoin is going to bring about, and are just looking to capitalize and and further their self interest through their shit coins, you know? Yeah, and, and I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if, if you really look at 
with what what is going to be the the thing that actually helps people and changes lives i i tend to think that um that is going to be bitcoin and, and there's going to be distractions along the way and there already has been and you know for the last however many months we've had, we've been in some i mean obviously it's it's been a month since we've had any real shooting up but an alt season and everyone's talking about which all it's going to be but the thing is is that i i think you got to keep your eye on the prize um and and who cares if maxis only talk about bitcoin Bro, that's what they believe in so bitcoin, okay bit here's the thing this is what altcoiners don't understand bitcoin is the meme that scales all right like that the message that comes with Bitcoin, the ideas that are attached to Bitcoin and how it's built and its design and uh, the security that it has, all of that, right? It all fortifies this message that says, hey, you can be a sovereign individual. You can take control of your money and you can plan for the future and you can save for your children. That resonates with so many more people than fucking world computer. You know, that resonates with so many more people than like, oh, my fucking, you know, digital token. And so like Bitcoin is what is going to plow this path forward. And that's why I say like to all corners, like you guys need to be on board as much as you can with Bitcoin. And you got to see it as the engine that is driving this technological revolution, because, you know, if it fails, I, I just feel like all of this gets stopped because it, it is the most robust. It is the most decentralized. It is the hardest to kill. It, you know, it is the honey badger of all this, you know, crypto, um, you know, currency world that we're living in. And if that goes down, that's like, you know, that, that, that's your, your <laughs> that's the chief that's leading you into war, into battle, going down with it. That's the soul. And so I just think that everyone needs to be kind of behind this. And it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of discouraging when you see shitcoiners disparaging Bitcoin. Like they, I, I just feel like they need to be back in it. Well, I, you know, if, here's just a quick example. Like this weekend, um, I saw some of my family, and like, um, they we started talking about crypto, and um, so I think they they learned about crypto from one of their friends, um, and I said, "Yeah, I own Bitcoin," and they said, "You own what?" And I was like, "I own Bitcoin," and um, you know, they said, they said, isn't that like, but wait, why do you own Bitcoin? Isn't that the, isn't that really obsolete? Like, isn't that an old like technology? Like, well, we own Ethereum or whatever. And I mean, they've been getting fed these messages. Now, obviously they're not as into crypto uh, as far as researching it as you and I, um, but that's the message that they're getting. The message is that Bitcoin is an old boomer technology that it doesn't do anything but uh, you know store value or whatever, and that even so, pause. Even if that's all it did, right? It does it better than any other thing. No, that's what you want. So, so I, exactly, it's the most decentralized, um, and 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 it's it's the most robust. It's the most secure uh, out of any by far. By not even it's not even it's not even close. I think there's there's just a certain segment that will understand the value proposition to what we just explained. I think other people are still stuck in that kind of fiat mindset where they're just like kind of looking at everything as an investment instead of like uh, like a structural layer that's being rebuilt. Well, when I when, when I told them about how the, the you know 
you know, Ethereum was is built on, uh, in, you know, a protocol that not everyone can run a full node, and it relies on Infura, which which is basically built on Amazon Web Services, exactly, yeah. and it's not, and, and and it could be attacked. There's so many attack vectors. They were like, huh, like all I had to do was say that, and they were like, huh, so maybe I should look further into that because I don't like that, and and so like. I just, I just think that that narrative is not out there enough that like, like people just don't get Bitcoin because they don't understand what we said earlier. They don't understand the value of having something that is decentralized, that is un- immutable, and that is able to be sent around the world in, in a few seconds. It's transportable, all of that. They don't understand that because they have the dollar and they, they could pay someone, you know, you could, you could wire money or Venmo someone money and they think that, you know, that's the same thing as Bitcoin, you know? They will, bro. They will. They will understand sooner or later. Like, there's no doubt in my mind. Like, when when your assets get seized or when your bank account gets shut down or, you know. Or, or your money inflates. Your money yeah. just inflates and, and, it, and it becomes worthless. Yeah. So, that's what I, I just think. It's just inevitable. And I think that, you know, I've been talking about inflation now since 2009. Um, you know, I, I got on the Ron Paul train and i've been trying to scream it from the mountaintops to anyone that would listen family friends almost to the point well not almost to the point i know 100 i was obnoxious but it's like one of those things where you discover just how much the dollar is a scam and you're like oh my god the whole world is like operating on this scam i need to let people know and you think that they're just going to switch as soon as they figure it out like oh i'm just going oh yeah yeah the dollar's a scam you're right mike let's let's you know let's buy gold silver and bitcoin whatever but uh they don't and i think that until it gets hard enough they don't have an incentive to actually try to figure it out so but when they do the good thing is bitcoin is there and it's it's easy right now like the the infrastructure is built where it's easy to onboard. You got Cash App, you got um, PayPal, you got Venmo now, you got um, all these. And and who knows? Who knows how this integrates into the like uh, legacy banking system? Who I don't know how it's going to, um, but it's going to be interesting what other services pop up around like brokerage brokerages. And, uh, you know, like I know Robinhood offers like Bitcoin now. So w- what about Charles Schwab and what about Merrill Lynch and what about, uh, and I know Fidelity is already on top of this. And so, you know, when all of that is there and like the effects of inflation are really evident and it becomes very obvious, uh, I don't know. I just feel like it's going to be a lot easier for people to, um, enter that escape valve and, and get out of the dollar, you know, but, uh, until it, until it becomes apparent people, I feel like the majority of people just won't care. That's my, that's my, been my experience. Yeah. Either they won't care or they'll care about the, the environmental impact because they don't see. So that, that, that's the main, I think, attack vector that we're going to have to deal with. And I think proof of stake is going to be the weapon of choice, Uh uh, that is used against us from within the crypto, from Vitalik, from all of those that that want to see, you know, proof of stake in Ethereum succeed. So, Damn, dude, that all right, look, I gotta go, I gotta go pee real quick, but that is something I want to talk about. Hold, hold the thought, I'll be right back. Yo, 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 my bad, dude. I've been drinking water like crazy, so I knew it'd come. Um. 
let's just jump right into it. You're talking about Vitalik and the attack vector that's going to come from proof of stake. Yeah. So I, I think that uh, that that attack vector is the the attack vector that those that want you know Ethereum to succeed and flip in Bitcoin. That's going to happen. Um, and we've already seen Vitalik pushing that. And I think it's only gotten louder as Elon had dropped that energy FUD and Vitalik's talking about how it's going to get left behind because it's not going to switch from proof of, of work to proof of stake. Uh, and we already explained the, the benefits of proof of work over proof of stake, but nobody's really going to understand that, right? That's not going to be something that people get. They're just going to say, well, they're just improving cryptocurrency and now it's using less energy. And that's that's a feature. That's not a bug. Does it matter? Does it, so I guess, uh, does it matter that nobody's going to understand that? Does it, or does it matter that just Bitcoiners understand it and just plow forward? They're like, yo, we understand that, that narrative that narrative is bullshit and we don't give a fuck and we're going to continue to mine on fucking volcanoes and we're going to go search out like geothermal energy all over the world. We'll fucking, you know, we'll put, uh, we'll put solar sails in space and have a mining farm out there if we need to, like, we're going to figure this out, but like Bitcoin I, is going to be going. And I think you're onto something there because already we're seeing volcanoes in El Salvador being, now the president's propose not proposing saying they're going to use those volcanoes for geothermal energy to mine bitcoin and mm -hmm. i see that i mean there's so many resources that can be used that are renewable in latin america mm -hmm. i can see this spreading like wildfire and it's already muting Dude, this idea right now is out of the bag like i've i've had some um like i i have a tweet out there i think i don't know when it's from but my idea was like Dude, what if we have like Dyson Fears um, that are like harnessing energy from like, I don't know, um, different stars in, the, in, in, in our galaxy and like using that energy to like mine Bitcoin. Like we're now protected by like really powerful aspects of our universe, like the energy um, from our universe. Then I was like, well, what's to stop Tesla from creating these giant solar sails that uh, mine Bitcoin from outer space. And like the most obvious kind of aspect to all of that was volcanoes. Like, you know, a, a, a almost unlimited source of geothermal energy that can, you, you, and you can create these mining farms in super remote locations and secure the network that way and tap into the earth's natural energy source. And it's gonna, I think this is gonna be an idea that catches on and it really excites me because think about all these countries with volcanoes or geothermal power. They just now, like their eyes are now like ka-ching, like, oh shit, we got to access, we have access to um, resources here that can, that can generate the world's most powerful monetary technology ever known to man. And we have like complete access to it uh, yeah. through our natural resources. And I just see that taking off and just think about how decentralized mining will become. I think the one bottleneck that both uh, that you acknowledged or that you talked about earlier was just getting ASICs out there, you know, like getting ASICs produced fast enough to do this. But, you know, with mine, uh, China banning mining and all that hash power looking for a new home, I think that uh, they're going to find it.
Exactly. I mean, I don't think it necessarily needs to be even new ASICs. Obviously, there's going to be new ones coming out, but but miners can. The, the thing about mining is that it's it's not dependent on location. So you can go to where the cheapest energy is available. You know, it does, there's no one saying that you, you, a lot of miners don't move to areas that uh, you know have access to these geothermal, uh, you know, um, just geothermal energy. And not only that, like I think that that's going to be important. But I also think that that this changes, like, I think Elon, without maybe knowing it, maybe has done Bitcoin a favor. Because as you said, I think you brought it up. You said that we're getting this over with right now. And this has been something that, that has been lingering. It has, it has been a lingering problem. It's been FUD through, since I joined uh, the Bitcoin team in 2017. Um, but he's done it. He's done us a favor, and in, in he's brought this out in the open and exposed this flood. And now it's 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 louder than ever. But now you can see how this narrative is is going to to I think shift because you're seeing not just you know um, plebs on Twitter talking about renewable resources. You're not just seeing you know um, like investors or whoever head funds or Mike Novogratz talking about it. You're, you're seeing the president of El Salvador now promoting this, which is a world leader, promoting the renewable energy, uh, the, the energizing Bitcoin through renewable energy. And I think that this narrative only grows, as you said. Um, and at the end of the How day- How bad does that make Elon Musk look, bro? So I think as- as I th- as I said earlier, I think Elon. It's it's kind of pathetic to be the the you know the world's most admired like pioneer. You know he he pioneered PayPal, right? He was he was one of the first you know investors in PayPal, and then he he he's a pioneer of the electric car at Tesla, even though it's not even true. He bought it off of some people who actually invented Tesla cars, and 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 then obviously he's had something to do with that company's growth a lot to do with it um i think he's the like he's the face of like uh i think uh energy consumption uh you know i just whether it's deserve it or not he's like that face yeah uh, of renewable of renewables right he wants yeah. to transform the world into a renewable energy you know uh a, a grid that, or whatever yeah so a utopia of your renew- renewable energy however he wasn't even able to problem solve the Bitcoin problem, as they say, um, that to me is pathetic because it's only taken one day for the president of, of El Salvador to find ge- geothermal vents in his own country. Tesla is supposed to be the company that is innovating renewables, right? Mm-hmm. It's supposed to be where you go. What did he own? Solar City, right? The failed company, Solar City. That's supposed to be a company that was supposed to bring solar. And bring it on the map, and and Elon couldn't even, he, he couldn't even do any good for the Bitcoin uh, narrative, and he had invested. A and not lot. only that, but it, it's it's not just that he couldn't do good. Like he didn't come in here and be like, "Hey guys, how can I help? How can we make this? You know, where can I? How can I? You know, integrate this into my business model and really like harness like um you know." the power of Bitcoin and really use and, and propel it even further. 
Instead, he fucking promotes a joke coin. You know, he goes total shit coiner, causes all types of havoc and chaos in the market. So really someone who's like the face of innovation and renewable energy and uh, technology comes in and, and creates a complete clown show, right? And, and it's a net negative uh, in terms of his contribution to Bitcoin. And that's the sad part. And now you got this president that comes out totally relaxed, cool, calm and collected, very thoughtful, right? And just in, in, in a matter of a week, completely flips that narrative that Elon originally was, you know, fudding about and says, hey, guys, I got a volcano here. Uh, I say we uh, mine some Bitcoin. What do you think? You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, one of the most innovative thinkers in the world that was supposed to solve all of our problems. It makes me it gives me it makes me have a little bit less trust in that narrative. Oh, yeah, for sure. Very great promoter, self promoter. But um, the, the the facts on, on the ground is like like this was a, a problem and it's a solvable problem. It, 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 you know, he did say, you know, once Bitcoin gets better uh, with energy, you know, we'll start accepting again. I'm like, well, Elon, you know, you're a leader, right? Like, like you're, you're supposed to, I mean, you have a lot of power. Um, what can you do or who can you connect us with or whatever? Like, like what, what can you do? Uh, what ideas do you have for the Bitcoin, uh, you know, ecosystem that, 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 that can help? And, and there was nothing but, as you said, a, a big joke. And so, I, I just hope that his influence continues to wane. Um, I, I think that it is waning. Um, you know, I haven't seen him tweet about Doge in a while, um, but I, 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 don't, I don't know because the last time he tweeted something stupid about Bitcoin, it was like the breakup last week, the big Bitcoin dropped like 2000 and then it's had a pretty crappy week until now and it's back well, up. Let's, let's, talk about, um, let's talk about that real quick because uh, that's something um, that I'm starting to see, like even today in the wake of all the news that came out in regards to, you know, in regard, yeah, in regards to all the news that came out, there was this China FUD that, you know, it was just uh, a headline or something like that, that, oh yeah, China asks the rest of the miners in this province to pack it up and, and close down their mining facilities. And, you know, what I'm noticing now is that the FUD you hear it so many times. It's the boy who cried wolf. It loses its impact. And I feel like the relevance that China is going to have and Elon is going to have is going to disappear slowly and slowly. And Bitcoin is going to become bigger than them. And it's going to, it's, it, and that's one of the beautiful things about Bitcoin, right? Because if you're going to come with some FUD and you're going to come with some attacks, uh, you better make sure, you know, you shoot to kill because if not, you're going to make this beast grow stronger. And it's just anti-fragile, right? The more chaos that it endures, uh, the more of its vulnerabilities that get exposed, you know, the, the more that those people who defend the network will come out to, to, to shore that up, to defend that area, that, that vulnerability. And that's one of the real powerful things about Bitcoin. It's, it's, it's got its own immune system in a, in, a, in a way. And it's really a social organism at this point. And 
Yeah, I just, I'm really, I'm optimistic on that front. I'm starting to see people, you know, uh, lose faith in these other narratives that come out attacking Bitcoin. And uh, it's, it's, it's starting to survive on its own merits and people are starting to really, and that's the other thing about money. It, part of it is that you have to gain trust. And in order to gain trust, there's an element of um, longevity there. And if it's been attacked, you know, over and over and it's still alive, I mean, it's, it's a Lindy effect that occurs and you just think that it's going, well, if it survived that, it's, you know, it's going to survive also into the future. And I think that all, like, this is all necessary in order for Bitcoin to like grow. Oh yeah, no, I totally agree with that. Um, the, the, well, as you said, like, you know, it's impossible to monetize, you know, in a new currency in the span of a few decades mm -hmm. that's been for 5,000 years without some confusion and some volatility. And, uh, you know, the FUD just contributes to that volatility. Um, but I think that we're seeing real time and it's happening very quickly. Uh, but, you know, the, the, as you said, like, like the more bullets that are shot at Bitcoin, the thicker its armor gets. And mm. I think the beauty of it is that it's not just one, like, you, you, like they're not attacking a person that can, you can, you can, you can, you can, you know, project personal traits to like, it's not like you're attacking, you know, a politician, they're like Donald Trump or Nancy Pelosi. You're attacking a, a thing, a network, a living organism that d doesn't have personal personality. Right. And that's the reason why I think a lot of this FUD can be like, like you can't put a face to Bitcoin. So a lot of the FUD can be repelled by the fact that, you know, people from all walks of life believe in it. Um, and, and you get all these different perspectives that are able to thwart that FUD. Um, and I think Elon did us a favor, as I said, by, by bringing this up, because we're getting a lot stronger now. And once we do overcome this, you know, the next step is just getting over regulation, you know, and go, be, be, because I think the, 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 the narrative now, which is, you know, um, the environment is going to linger and it'll always be there for, especially, you know, in, in nations that are, that are developed because that's where that narrative is. This ESG stuff is, um, it's a direct, I mean, there's a direct link there to like the Great Reset and the, um, I guess, uh, is it the IMF that, or is it, I don't know what's, who's behind the, the Great Reset or whatever, but basically there's an international movement here to control all of our energy consumption and therefore control all of our lives, right? Um, and, you know, I was talking to someone about this and it's like the fight that we need to have because it, who's to say if they're trying to regulate our energy consumption and our like and our carbon emissions uh, and they deem what and what is not worthy of energy consumption. I mean, and they I mean, this is the road that we're going down and this is the fight that's going to happen. And, and it's going, and they're going to intertwine the fear that comes from climate change, which they've indoctrinated, you know, uh, people for decades about, um, you know, and that's going to be, I think that's going to be the battle. I think you're right. And I don't think that we should cede an inch on that. And 
again, it, it's becoming harder to attack Bitcoin, but they're still going to. But like when you got things like that, how can you argue that this geothermal energy that would otherwise not be used for anything is now being used for Bitcoin? How can you argue and that has zero emissions? You can't really argue that Bitcoin is then bad for the environment. Well, yeah, and 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 then uh, you know, on this in the same breath, um, I think we're gonna see. I, I'm just gonna. I think we're gonna see Bitcoin having a huge effect on um, renewable energy economies of scale in in the next you know five years. You're gonna see Bitcoin having incentivizing the development due to its capture of stranded energy and and the fact that that it it it, it is allowing developers to feel confident that there's going to be someone to pay for the energy that is produced, uh, especially that stranded energy um, that isn't able to be used because it, you know, it's not able to be used during a certain time of the day. Uh, you know, not, people aren't using their stoves in, you know, in the daytime and that energy in, can't be stored in a battery because there's not enough storage. So that it just pumped into the ground. That, that, that's going to allow Bitcoin uh, it's going to give Bitcoin an avenue to to help renewable energy to be more profitable uh, for the developers, um, and you're going to see more of that happen. And and so I think this energy na- narrative will dissipate. Um, I don't think that this is going to be uh, the thing. Like you know, it's 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 affected Bitcoin in during this run. It's affected Bitcoin, and Elon brought it to the test. But I I don't think that that's going to be the 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 thing that. Um, you know, lasts, you know, decades and decades. And I, I hope it doesn't, but um, yeah, I, we'll see. We'll see what happens because. Cool. So what's, um, you know, dude, so much has happened. I mean, I don't think we even talked about the conference really. And give, so. Give me, uh, yeah. Give me to tell me what happened. What, what, what stood out to you at the conference? Cause I, I can't believe I, I, I really wanted to go, but I had to go to New York for my grandma's birthday. Literally, the conference happened like a mile and a half from my house. <laughs> so yeah, so I didn't. I didn't actually go to the conference. I'm not really. Um, I don't know. It, it, it didn't sound appealing to me. Like I don't know, twelve, twelve to fifteen thousand people there. Um, and I just, I don't know. I've been to other conferences, and I just kind of know how they go. And I enjoy more watching them <laughs> online. And uh, that's what I did with this one. But I did go to like, I did hang out with some Bitcoiners. I did go to some like satellite events. And I can tell you that the energy in Miami was just rocking. And it was like, I mean, Bitcoiners were everywhere and they were having parties. They were partying their ass off. And I think, again, that just goes to show like, look, it's kind of one of, I would call it, you know, a semi-professional conference. Um, although it isn't, it, it, like, it, it wasn't like a suit and tie conference, but like, it's one of those first conferences out of Corona and my like Bitcoiners are like partying their ass off. They don't care about mass. They're hugging each other. They're, like, and so it, it goes to the optimistic nature that Bitcoiners have that they're the, you know, the first conference out of the bat when things open up is like a freaking 15,000 person Bitcoin conference where it's just a big party. Um, so that was cool. I, re- I, you know, and you could tell Miami has embraced Bitcoin to it's like, 
it's going to be to its fullest capacity. Um, the mayor is like totally on board the energy in Miami, the, the amount of probably startups that are coming down there. You know, I know Pomp probably bringing so many people there. Um, they're really making it a Bitcoin hub. That, that, that was my, my interpretation of what was happening. Um, but yeah, that was, uh, that was not even, when was that? <laughs> that was like Friday and Saturday. What was, was today? Yeah. And so, and like literally our whole conversation hasn't even been about that and the talks there. It's been about like the news afterwards because it's just, I mean, that's a way to close off a conference. I mean, you, 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 you announced that like a country is adopting Bitcoin as the standard fucking what a way to go out bro what a way to close that conference with jack Mahler's fucking just going ham out there on stage you know so to your point uh, first i want to address what you said about miami because i'm so excited about that because i mean that's this is this is this this is my city i live here so um the fact that miami is is you know i mean mayor suarez has basically embraced bitcoin with open arms and it's bringing so much innovation to to Miami, and I, I, I mean, we could pay our taxes in Bitcoin. Um, it's just bring it's bringing people that would have never came to Miami here for this conference, and 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 they're seeing it. And I love the energy, and I just I'm excited for for what's next because I feel like I'm in the center of it. You know, mm-hmm. uh, to your other point about the um, conference and how they ended it off. Um, I felt when I, so I was waiting for that announcement. Like I was at a family party in New York waiting for that announcement. And then like, it was like four 30 and I, and I was checking my tw- uh, Twitter and I was like, what the heck, what the hell happened? And then finally I saw something about, you know, d- you know San Salvador um, has, or El Salvador has adopted legal tender. Bitcoin is legal tender or the president is going to send it to whatever. And I was just so confused because I looked at the Bitcoin price and I was like, all right, like no one cares. Uh, uh, why? And, and, and so, so, you know, I was, I talked to you guys the next day and I was like, you know, this is, you, you, I think you said it, like this is much bigger deal than people are making of it right now. I, I think we were all sort of like shell shocked by, by what happened. Um, and, you know, people were just kind of trying to parse was- the I, I was cautious at first. I was cautious because I was like, ah, man, it's just an announcement of a bill. I didn't know they were going to ram it this. I, I didn't know they were going to pass it this fast. And, yeah. and, I, and, and then once that happened and I started thinking about the implications of, of what just occurred and the domino that just fell the first, I was like, oh shit, this is bigger. This is bigger than, I don't, I don't think this is bigger than most of us realize. Like, Yeah. yeah. I think the only person on Twitter that was making a huge deal out of it, oh, there's a bunch of people. There was a lot of people, but one person that uh, I didn't expect to, because uh, he's a big ETH guy, was Kobe. You know, he's mm-hmm. like, in my opinion, this is pretty cool. Uh, and you know, the, the fact that you know, I, I, and he was like, I'm excited to see like what happens, um, you know, as as a side effect to this in the surrounding nations, and you know, how does everyone respond? And, uh, you know, I was sort of disoriented. I was like, well, no one seems to care, but it's got to be a bigger deal than that. And now that I see 
I think that everyone's starting to come around to it. Um, and I think we're, we're getting a little bit less disoriented now that it's starting to sink in. Um, and as you said, like, a like, it feels like like five years of things has happened in the last week. Uh, and, and, you know, we were talking about that one golden day when nation states entered the fray. And it's like, it literally is happening right now. It's not just corporations anymore. And yeah, corporations, it, it's, it's been very few, but now nation states are starting to come in to the fray. And this opens Pandora's box, bro. I don't, I don't know, man. I don't know what this is going to bring, man. In a month, in a month, like just look how much has changed in a week. I don't know what's going to happen in a month. It's going to be wild, bro. Wild. And uh, I mean, I'm excited. I think, you know, when I found out about how money works and how the Federal Reserve System works, it was like, it was, um, I was angry. Um, but there's also this feeling of helplessness, like, damn, this is a system and okay. In order to, uh, in order to basically route around the system, I got to buy gold and silver and custody it. And so I found out real quick that, you know, lugging around a lot of gold and silver sucks and then Bitcoin comes around and I was like, oh my God. Yeah, this is uh, this is an answer to this problem, but there was still so much uphill battle that needed to be, you know, waged out. It just feels surreal that we're here at this moment, and I think it's the most exciting time in Bitcoin's history. And I think the next, I don't know, I, I, the next year or two are going to be absolutely incredible. And we're watching basically millennia's worth of monetary history play out in a couple of decades and the future of humanity in my opinion like I, I do feel like it's that big of a deal um you know rides like that that inflection point is now like how this how humanity is going to go are we going to go down this route where we embrace the you know embrace technology that creates a decentralized free and open marketplace or are we going to go down the central bank digital currency route where we live in this dystopian digital panopticon where all everything is monitored tracked traced and we're controlled like like cogs in a machine uh and where our humanity is suppressed like this is it we're here I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I, I that those are the two choices because one of them is going to happen. Mm. One of them is already starting to happen. Uh, well, both of them are already starting to happen, but which one will become which which one will be the thing that the people choose, right? Um, and I think the the choice is it, it, it's it's a no brainer. I mean, it's a no brainer as to where we're gonna have. A, a a thriving society that is not centrally planned or um a, a, a freer society right and um the fact that uh it's all happening now it's no it's it's no coincidence that this is all happening now i mean um bro thank god for satoshi i mean could you yeah. imagine going through this because look what's going happening right now in the fiat world 
was going to happen regardless. Like I've been preparing for this collapse. Like I thought 2008 was, was this collapse that we're, we're experiencing right now. Like I, I didn't think that they were going to be able to hold the financial system together. Um, and Bitcoin wasn't around at that time. So I was like, Oh my God, like I was expecting kind of the worst. Uh, but now we have an easy way out. We have an escape hatch. We have a lifeboat. And man, it's just so much better to go through this with Bitcoin uh, and the hope that, that it brings versus I couldn't imagine going through this without it. Well, no, well, think about this. I mean, at this point, you know, even if Bitcoin wasn't around, you would still have this paradox where you have deflationary technology that, I mean, in Jeff Booth's book, which I read, I think, I don't know if you've read it, The Price of Tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I got to read it, man. How technology is so deflationary. So, you know, the Amazons of the world, um, the Googles of the world, they're making it cheaper for, for they're, making, they're making everything cheaper, right? Because they make everything more efficient. Um, and on the other end, so, so everything in, in essence should be cheaper because it's mm. cheaper to produce and it's cheaper to, to transport, it's cheaper to market, it's cheaper to sell. On, the, on top of that, you have AI, which is also eliminating jobs, right? AI is able to do the job of a person. It's automating um, the labor and, force. And, 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 and they're basically making us more efficient in that regard. Mm-hmm. But our economy, on the other hand, depends on inflation. It depends on the prices of things rising, and it depends on, on the increasing of wages and, 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 and the expansion of the job market, right? Whereas the forces of nature and the forces of technology are pulling in the other direction of deflation. They're pulling on us and telling us that, you know, jobs, they're not going to be as many jobs available uh, in the, in the future because cars are going to drive themselves. People are going to, no cash registers are going to be operated by machines. Um, There's going to be even more technical jobs that are going to be taken by technology. So how do people live if they're not able to have a job, if prices are still rising in, and, and they're not able to have a job? You know, it's, the advantages of technology are get get siphoned off to the top in this scenario, right? Exactly. Like, Who yeah. benefits? The only people that benefit are those that are benefiting from inflation, the Jeff Bezos of the world, the people mm. who are the, the, the richest of the rich. That's why it's all being siphoned to the top because all that extra money and liquidity is being pumped right to them because they're making everyone's life easier. They're able to... So basically... At the end of the day, we need to embrace, as what he's saying is, we need to embrace inflation. I mean, I'm sorry, deflation, because in a productive society, maybe the technology will make our, our lives easier and make us have to do less. And therefore, we the, the, not as many jobs are needed, um, but prices- there's, there's a lot more leisure time for people to explore like other other ways of actualizing their you know human- human potential exactly so it's a very actually i recommend read that book it's 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 it's, it's like a, it was really interesting way to think about dude it. look man like uh when i i mean i've been reading i've been reading um i've been reading about like postmodernism and um you know cultural marxism a lot 
but I kind of feel like I just want to go back to like doubling down on my Bitcoin education. I got like a stack of books here, like five or six books that I feel like if I read would really give me a solid education in, in, in monetary and Bitcoin theory that would, you know, just solidify a lot of gaps in my thinking. So I, I need to get there. And there's so many great thinkers in the space. This is why I say, I mean, I keep on saying it. I mean, when I, when I first got involved, I had a service level understanding of inflation and everything. And I understood it conceptually. It wasn't very difficult for me to wrap my head around it. And I was very like, but I just didn't go deep. You know, I didn't read the work of Mises and Hayek and all of that stuff. But I, I, when people would talk about them, I'd easily grasp those concepts and I understood them intuitively to be true. Um, but there is something to like reading it and going in depth into these things that add so much clarity to how the world is being is playing out right now. You know what I mean? I totally agree. I mean, the, the, the problem for me in the beginning was just connecting everything and I'm still making connections. Cause like you learn, you know, you, you listen to certain podcasts or you read certain books and, and, and something makes sense, but you don't see how it connects to everything else. Right. And then you finally hear someone make that connection. You're like, Oh wow. Like, so deflation and or, or like inflation is tied to yield curve control and yield curve control uh you, you know if 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 a government introduces yield curve control it leads to hyperinflation um and then how that connects to um you know all the different aspects of society and like you think of that and and and, and once you make those connections you see how intertwined everything is <laughs> and why it's so important that like Bitcoin could, could actually affect everything. It's not, it's not just like a, a sector of the economy. Bitcoin could actually have, have an effect on, on everything that we know, you know? Yeah. And, Dude, and I think, I think that's a good place to end it off unless you got anything else to say. No, that's it. Yeah. Dude, this was awesome, man. Um, good talk. And if you want to do it again, I'm down. I mean, a lot is going to happen in, in the next uh, few months. So no, anytime I, you want to have these talks, I'm, I'm down. No, I, I absolutely, absolutely. I enjoy it. I enjoy it because you, you like get to parse everything out too and mm -hmm. uh, really get to, to kind of like get your, get your thoughts out and like figure out like how you want to say them and like how, how if they make sense or not, you know? um and sure it's like uh it's 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 intellectual sparring really and yeah. it's like yeah yeah exactly. putting right exactly. putting your ideas into words and having someone listen and giving you feedback on it and you know this is what's so cool about bitcoin i never thought of myself as actually doing this type of stuff but uh you know there's something about going down the rabbit hole that inspires you to be to be more than what you were in this fiat driven you know uh world and uh yeah it's it's pretty cool john vallis actually talks about that a lot talks about the transformation that people go through uh when they when they kind of swallow the orange pill and uh you know i even seen it in like breed love you know um when i first heard of him versus to where he was on the lex friedman podcast and even on stage it's like you could see that progression in 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 his thought process in his confidence, uh, it's just, 
that transformation is just really apparent and um it's really cool to see yeah man uh yeah i would definitely like to do it again man so let me know let me know all right cool i'm, I'm gonna end the recording here and then we'll, we'll chat afterwards hold on one second and meeting no there it is